Hey, welcome back to the Compound Growth Show. We got Quincy and John back on today. I'm wearing my shirt that Quincy sent me in the mail and gave me no idea that I was going to be getting. So one day I just got a shirt that said ABM with Compound Growth Marketing logo on it. Uh, if you can't see it, check us out on YouTube. Uh, if you're on iTunes, if you're on any of the other Spotify, yeah, any, yeah, leave a leave a review. That would really help us get this show going, uh, get more people listening to it. So, Quincy, I want to let you introduce the topic today. Yeah. So, we had a conversation a few weeks back, uh, and I found it interesting. Uh, on the and pod? I think I see this on, on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was on the podcast. We talked about it a few weeks back um, and kind of alluded uh, to having this discussion. And so the one thing that we were talking about um, is how we're talking about marketing the sales handoff, right? And so just by definition of handing something off, uh, it almost implicates that we are marketers are separate than the sales team. Like we do two different things, like we market. Uh, in that broad stroke category, and then sales actually does the selling. Um, I think there's a hot take here in the sense that marketers are sellers um, and that we're not a, uh, a perforated component or organization to the sales team, but we're actually an extension um, of the sales team. Um, and I think an extension of marketing. Or sales team is the extension of marketing. Some sales. Oh, sorry, team. no. Or sale. Yeah. Or the sales team is the extension of marketing. I said that right. Yeah, I was gonna say now sales guys don't come at me. John said that, but you know. yeah. Oh, let's go. <laughs> but yeah, and so I think that um, if we think about how we reframe things as marketers, and um, we are, I would say, earning trust. Um, at earlier stages of the funnel, earlier stages of the process, right? Like we help build the trust, we help get all the data, uh, all the collateral, all the engagement uh, for the sales team. Uh, so these people are well-informed of who we are um, as an organization, maybe product sets, um, maybe comparisons and things like that. So that when the sales team who also is trained on the product also understands can actually close the deal, right? Right. Um, so that's my take on it, right? Like we, yeah. we build out the interest um, through selling, um, marketing as an action um, is selling. Uh, we build out the interest, we gather all the information uh, and then we hand it to the sales team in order to kind of close, but they're, it's all one motion. It's all a selling motion. Right, okay. All right, so I want to be very careful with how I word this because this is going to go on the internet and it's going to live forever. And so Quincy sprung this topic on me not more than two minutes ago. So, but I do, I have a lot of thoughts and I'm really happy we're talking about it. So the first thing I would say is the definition of who... So if marketing is an extension of the sales team, I think you need to have a broader view of what sales is, right? The, the mm. ultimate goal of the whole motion is getting everybody moving in the right direction and saying that um, we're going to drive in leads who are then going to convert, who are then going to become customers. And I, the sales executives that I've worked with recently 
especially over the past like seven to 10 years, do have a broader view of uh, marketing and sales than just closing the deals or just the leads coming in the door. Not all, but some do. And so I think yeah. that's important to understand. The context of understanding the bigger picture is that there are a lot of sales executives who are paying attention to the full sales cycle. And oftentimes they, I hate to say it, they know it better than a lot of the people on the marketing team do because they're hearing from the customer everything that's going on. So I think I think that's interesting. I think um, I think you would find that most of the pushback, I think, would come back come from, you know, there there are two different mindsets in terms of how a sales team is driven and how a marketing team is driven. Marketing teams are partially numbers motivated, typically the demand yeah. generation team, partially like really metrics driven. And they like to have goals, have bonuses, like oftentimes they are performance driven. The creative and the product side of the things, product marketing side of the team, they're going to be a little bit less goal oriented. And so they may not receive that kind of feedback or the the um, the commission or comp structure as well. Uh, as like the demand generation team would. So one of the things that I'm looking at when I'm looking at organizational alignment is like, what's the type of brain that somebody has inside the organization? Yep. So oftentimes I find myself saying, yeah, I think demand generation could report into sales. That could make a lot of sense because um, it is like pretty metrics oriented. It needs to be really aligned with sales. It's output ultimately is the number of meetings pipeline created or qualified leads that they're passing to the sales team. So there needs to be a tight connection there. The other piece that I would say to this is I think that marketing is eating sales a little bit, little by little. If we look at the entire funnel. So if we go back to the 90s before uh, before HubSpot popularized the inbound movement. I'm sure there yeah. were companies out there that were doing inbound marketing before that, but the primary go-to-market motion of B2B enterprise companies at that point was an outbound motion where you had SDRs, you had field sales reps. You were It was very sales-driven. The trust in the sales rep was much higher then and the sales rep was going in, like banging on phones, getting someone on the phone, trying to build interest, trying to get that person to eventually become a customer of theirs. And over the past 20 years, but the evolution has probably been happening for a long time, more and more of that research that the buyer is doing is less dependent on the sales rep and more dependent yeah. on them asking their friends, them asking the communities they participate in, them going to review sites like Captera and G2 Crowd, them going to Google, them browsing the website to get the information that typically the rep would have had to send to them with a PDF file, with a letter, over the phone, whatever it was. So marketing yeah. used to be really a support function for the sales team and still is for companies that are selling really, really, really large deals. Um, but it's shifted a little bit more. So 
by the time the sales team gets a lead for a lot of the companies that we work with, the lead is primed. It's ready to have a demo conversation with the salesperson. The salesperson is not having to build their interest. They are capturing the intent of that person who already has done the research to say, hey, I want a demo of this product. I think I'm going to purchase it within 30 to 90 days of talking to you. So I think that has changed a little bit and uh, and that's okay. Uh, that, yeah. Now I was gonna say, that's really funny that you say that because I would say uh, the evolution happened all the way into like mid 2000s, to be honest with you, you said the 90s, like, but I think there was an evolution where I, I was sitting in a standpoint to where uh, sales was just like, hey, what marketing events are you guys putting on to right. like no, re still, reiterate? Yeah. And and that's a big, uh, like, I think I've probably quoted um, the five ways to build a hundred billion dollar company that Christoph Jans wrote, check it out. Uh, just Google hundred ways to build a five, uh, five ways to build a hundred million dollar company. But he outlines the different go-to-market strategies for companies selling their product for a thousand dollars, $1 a year, a thousand dollars a year, $10,000 a year, hundred thousand dollars a year. I skipped the category. Um, maybe it's a million dollars a year. And he just added two more on. And so you do still see these organizations, uh, these, these like SDR driven sales organizations. You still do see some companies who are gating content and then having SDRs bang on the phones. But I would say the shift that we've seen over the last couple of years is pretty significant. And we could actually look into some of the, the um, key bank survey to see how significant that shift has been over the 10 years that they've been doing that survey, where they look at what the primary go-to-market motion is for private SaaS companies. But I would be interested to see how that shifted from field to inbound. But the shift is still happening. There are still companies, if you're selling to... Um, if you're selling into like an agricultural market, if you're John Deere, or if you're selling software related to the agricultural agricultural market, I would guess a lot yeah. of your motion is still going to events. If you're selling a product for a million dollars, I would guess you're still, you know, going and visiting those facilities, those farms, those uh those the ceos of those company to sell that equipment or software uh but so you know but a lot of the shift that we've seen recently is towards mid-sized acv products having better distribution into small and mid-sized businesses and even you know when we look at it I see a lot of our customers driving $100,000 deals from Google Ads and SEO, which we were not seeing before. We're seeing a lot more deals of deals of that size coming through the website where previously that was largely events and outbound driven. Um, you know, for most of my career, I had seen that outbound and events drove higher ACV customers, uh, but they took longer to convert. And the... Yep digital marketing produced more customers. Typically they had a smaller ACV and we're just seeing the deal sizes get higher and higher for a lot of those um, 
revenue, digital revenue marketing activities? Well, and I think, so for me, I think a shift happened somewhere along the line uh, to where marketers started caring more about uh, things that happen later in the sales process. And essentially we, we became more part of the sales team is like this idea of tracking attribution goals, um, actually like having the analytics and the goals to, to understand what our marketing is doing, right. uh, understand how it contributed and like what types of customers that we can like see. And I think there was a gap kind of before in the prehistoric marketing times where we were there was no data. There was no like, we weren't gold on like, what do you say, like MQLs or qualified accounts, MQAs uh, from an ABM standpoint. Right. It was just like, it was just like, we put this stuff out there, like 100,000 people drove past this billboard. We can't attribute that our billboard and the ROI to the thing and like how it actually impacted closed sales. We just look at like a generic lift, like we had a brand lift. Right. Yeah, you'd look at, you'd look at a brand lift. Yeah, I think, the, the improvement through automation, through CRM systems has allowed us to measure further down funnel. And I think there's also been the realization by looking at the data, looking at the funnels people are coming through, right? Think about it, like 2008 uh, to 2012, everybody was talking about eBooks and how amazing they were. More recently, everybody's been talking about PLG, how amazing uh, that is. But like that eBook phase, like, you know, pretty quickly people started to see, okay, when we drive leads into an ebook funnel, like our sales reps are miserable. They're incredibly inefficient <laughs> versus yeah. why not open up some of that content, educate the customers, get them interested in our product by building brand equity and getting them to engage with our content, read it, pass it around their team, and then get them to come back to the site and request a demo. And that's been, you know, the shift the shift that we've seen in the PLG world for a while. And then I think we're starting to see more companies adopt that too. I was going to say, so this is very controversial. Uh, I heard it on a Dave Gearhart podcast with one of his guests before. Where do you think, um, because we think um, in the process, I would say that it's marketing uh, and then the SDRs are kind of in between marketing and account execs, right? Like they're kind of like, an extension, even closer extension of the marketing team. Where do you think the SDR should sit? Should they sit with the sales rep, the salesperson, or should they sit on the marketing team? Um, yeah. Okay. When you said this is really controversial, <laughs> I was like, okay, here we go. Like, yeah, this is controversial. Um, <laughs> uh, so the data that I've seen is that yeah. uh, when SDRs report into marketing, you get um, like on average, those companies are companies that are more likely to hit their targets for the year. Now, you know, there, there are some challenges in being able to get that data, but I kind of trust it. It kind of makes sense. If you have a marketing team connected with an SDR function and the SDR function is having this pain of not being able to get the leads on the phone or not being able to book meetings. And that is directly like, under marketing, there's going to be quicker alignment there on mm. driving in leads that actually pick up the phone, that actually want to talk to reps, that actually become opportunities. And so you feel that pain a lot more because your weekly meeting, um, your whole team is aligned towards this goal and marketing actually can take greater ownership down funnel. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and so that is why um, I like 
when 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 I hear about SDRs reporting into the marketing function, but you know we're we're talking about um, you know um, what am I trying to say? We're talking about you know just the the organizational structure is kind of a myth that we make yep. up the construct yeah. that we have in our own head. So as long as marketing is aligned with the SDRs, as long as they're close to them. When I was at Workable, the, the SDR team was right outside the door of my office. And so I was hearing the conversations all day. When I left to go get lunch, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to walk past uh, the SDR manager and a bunch of SDRs. And, you know, I sat with them at lunch. I'd hear about the challenges they were having. That definitely had a huge impact on me in terms of wanting to deliver better deals because <laughs> I wanted to have a pleasant lunch. Honestly, I didn't you can't go get a sandwich. I didn't <laughs> want to talk to them about how you know bad the leads were. So we really worked to drive really good leads, and I looked to hear them out. Um, so I think that getting aligned is. Get getting that alignment, having the empathy for those reps is really important. Um, whether it's AEs or SDRs, whoever you're passing the leads to, having ownership down funnel is really important. And I, you know, this the same way that I think SDRs, like statistically, we can see that um, SDRs reporting into the marketing function typically have higher performing. Um, teams or companies overall in terms of hitting their revenue targets. I think that's pretty compelling data. Um, but I also have talked about this in the past. I like there to be a little bit of friction between the mm -hmm. teams. So when marketing's, when SDRs or AEs or whoever's following up on the leads is reporting into the sales organization, I still like it when marketing is gold on the number of meetings had by the sales team, right? That's not something they can control. They can't force an SDR to follow up with a lead or they can't follow it, the sales team to follow up with the lead. They can't, you know, force that person to book within an hour or two hours of, or two days of, of that um, person coming in as a lead. They can't control the outreach. They don't have control over that, but I still like the friction that's created when marketing cares about a goal a little bit outside of their control, because they're going to be more likely to follow up with the SDRs, to follow up with the sales team, to make sure that they are setting up those meetings and, you know, trying to book them within the next couple of days and following up with the leads within an hour of that person filling out the form. I like the tension that that creates inside the organization. I think it's a healthy tension. Now I'm going to say some something controversial. Now it's time for mine. Um, so <laughs> before I say the controversial thing, I think that the the really great thing that this creates uh, is it it reduces and optimizes process time, right? Because if we have this feedback loop um, as we're building out these campaigns and looking to execute on things for future quarters and things like that, we already have a better understanding before we come with this weak copy that gets like slapped out of the air or this weak creative that gets like slapped out of the air. Yeah. and say hey that wasn't working so now we can actually build a stronger campaign or a stronger like plan to execute for like q3 or q4 yeah um as we're revising this stuff yeah uh but my controversial thing is uh <laughs> john i'm a creative like what if i'm a creative like creative part of the marketing team should i be gold then 
on like the success and like how much like creative drove anything. Uh, and I would say that before I let you answer that, I think that like, if you're even, if, even if you're on a creative team, right. Uh, I was a part of a pitch a long time ago where um, we were pitching creative to a company. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, what are the metrics like how much like insight do we have at like this creative generated x or whatever like x more subscribers on whatever channel and the execs on the account were like i what like we didn't we didn't track any metrics we didn't get anything back we just put out like really beautiful stuff um, and so i think that like even as a creative uh even certain types of marketing teams would still need to be aligned and still need to understand like how we're impacting yeah. So I don't quite know how to answer this one because I think that it's a, it's a pretty broad topic and we have a limited amount of time left. Yeah. But I think oftentimes when we think about how uh, setting goals for the creative team, oftentimes we're too short sighted into what the mm. output is that we're looking for there. So, you know, uh, at a couple of years ago, I was working at a company that create, we had a creative team who would develop uh, display ads for us. And like, I'd have whole meetings with them to talk about how these specific display ads on Google were performing. And we'd go through like the skyscraper versus the banner versus the 350 by 350 ads. And we'd go through performance. We'd talk about it. And I think like just looking on an ad by ad level performance like it can be useful but that is not the you know entire mandate of the creative team i think the creative yeah. team has an opportunity to set the tone set the message and these are some of the things that you can hear in the sales conversations yeah uh, to kind of understand whether or not you're creative whether or not your brand whether or not the content that you're putting out is making a dent in terms of how the market is looking at a certain product or service that you might be providing. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, yeah. So sometimes I think we're too focused on like the narrow outputs that the creative team has to understand what their impact is on the greater team. And so that can create that finite thinking can create finite results out of creative where I think there's a lot more that can happen that can come from brand marketing. Uh, a couple of years ago, I'll give you an example. Um, I was working with a company, I think it was one of the first five companies, first five engagements that Compound Growth Marketing ever had. One of the first consults we did was our, uh, or one of the first things we did was our uh, funnel economics exercise where we look at by funnel that leads are coming in. So for them, it was newsletters, ebooks, trial versus demo. We would look at how likely those leads were to convert down funnel. We'd look at the value of a lead, the value of an MQL, the value of an SQL, and the value of a customer through those different lead funnels. And I remember presenting the data to the group and showing them, hey, look, like we're not getting a lot from the newsletter. We haven't driven a single customer actually from the newsletter. And the eBooks, these leads aren't turning into eBooks. We need to figure out how to drive more demos and trials. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember somebody, one of the writers coming up to me afterwards and she was like, oh, so like we shouldn't be creating uh, eBooks anymore. Like you don't, like that's not as useful. And like, 
yeah, that for them was uh, a really good message. That was an insight yeah. at a high level that helped them, not like on the specific, like how did this ebook perform type thing, but just on a broader scale, like we should be like what it showed them was we should be creating instead of putting together ebooks and all the time and energy that goes into that, we should be focusing on creating content on the blog, creating content on social, creating content in webinars, which actually converted really well for them. So the the high level findings were actually quite robust for them and helping them figure out where directionally they should be pointing. And so those are examples where I think yep. creative sometimes uh, needs guidance and understanding the assets that they're creating, that they're putting time and energy into that aren't really, um, you know, getting much, um, much attention from the, from the prospects and customers versus what is and what can be the most powerful tools for us. So uh, I think that um, is a good example of how you need to kind of step back and look at the broader picture with the creative team to understand uh, how they're helping drive the overall mission of the company. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's exactly where I wanted you to go with that. And I'm glad you did because that still just further reiterates that like uh, even out to the creative team, you're still you're still part of that sales team, right? You still have to yeah. understand like where to wait and focus your efforts uh, and how to uh, even jointly close deals with the sales team from like beginning to end, from like brand awareness to like to pipeline creation. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome, um, wow, you took this. I love having you MC this. Is that right, MC? I don't know. What it yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. Thank you very much, <laughs> Quincy. Uh, any questions you all have, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, John at compoundgrowthmarketing.com, Quincy at compoundgrowthmarketing.com. And I think Quincy Forte aka Quincy Johnson is going to play out the uh, the music as we as we uh, leave you on this wonderful weekday. I I want to say one thing. Like oh, I think that we should do a call to action. Okay. We should we should right. do a call to action. Um, and I think we are really interested to talk to really amazing. Uh, and interesting people as a result of the podcast, right? Like if there are anybody that we should be talking to, uh, I think that that's a great sort of CTA for you to, for somebody to post below or send John an email uh, out in the market with, as it relates to marketing, sales, data. Uh, we would love to talk to these people uh, and, and have more insightful conversations. Yeah, I'll reiterate that. I think the favorite... The favorite part of my job that I've had over the last couple of years is getting to meet really interesting people. I think that's what that's how the shift from being in-house for most of my career to moving into uh, a, more of a consulting role has been really uh, impactful and fun for me. And it's something that I didn't get when I was in-house. So I would love to talk to bring some people on. We have some really interesting guests coming up. We have Alina from Chili Piper. I think we're going to try to get someone from Zoom Info on. Uh, we have Kate Adams uh, coming on soon. So really yep. excited about the lineup we have coming up soon. So please reach out. Let me know if you'd like to come on and, and we can figure out something to talk about. Awesome. Thank you.